Hi guys, welcome to Ace Your Health Podcast at Ace Integrative Health in Mason, Ohio. My name is Dr. Toxie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining the community as well, Ace My Health Community. Today we have Aaron Hanley here. Thank you for joining us again. And we're going to continue our discussions on what all she does. And today's topic is about gardening. This is one of her passions. She has developed a business on Paradise Kitchen Garden. That's pretty much what she does. It sounds like whatever it sounds like, Paradise Kitchen Garden, exactly what that's what it is. If you ever thought about gardening and making it into a paradise, then she is the one to ask questions and she can help you actually design and develop it as well. So this is, this is so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Always excited to be here. Great. Yeah. So today we're going to take, you know, 10, 15 minutes and talk about what is gardening and the history of gardens and how how it has migrated, traveled all around the world. These, you know, we have heard about different types of gardens, different types of herbs, different ways and in different cultures and different environments and different agriculture processes. Like we've all heard about these in just you know maybe maybe in bits and pieces over our lifetime but we're gonna take a little closer dive into just learning about what these gardens are and where they come from so you know what what is gardening to you and how did you come up with that name what's the history behind you and then you know we'll we'll talk about a little bit more Okay, so I've always loved to be outdoors, so I probably yeah. just started with that. And um, I had a couple of jobs in my teenage years where I was exposed to plants. I worked for a produce market and a nursery. And so that probably spawned the interest. And as I got older, it was more or less a hobby, like it is, I think, for most people, and a way to escape the daily stresses. Um, and then back in 2019, I just decided like, gosh, you know, I wonder if I could turn this into a business, turn it into something where I could teach the community about something that I love mm -hmm. and also share with the community. I have a Facebook group, um, called Paradise Kitchen Gardens, where we, you know, share our ideas and our love of gardening pictures and tips and hints and things like that. So it's kind of how it started. Okay, wow, that is so amazing because in today's day and age when we're talking about how our planet is literally getting exhausted of not having enough plants, enough species, enough different, we don't even understand all these different um, rare plants that are on our planet, yet, yet every single day they're getting cut for our uses. And uh, you hear, uh, you're here, you know, helping people learn how to grow these plants back, which is which is amazing. The name is so catchy. Like I gotta give it to you. Paradise Kitchen Garden. It sounds like it came from like the Babylonians or like it came from you know one of those and like, it did. Oh it did <laughs> basically yes. This goes way back. Um I have always been enamored by gardens. I think they're very evocative and they will bring you into a mood or space. And so I thought I would love to be able to create a slice of paradise for people. Mm -hmm. Just as even if it's a small area in your backyard or your front yard 
where people could go after a long day's worth of work and just be able to relax mm. and commune with nature. So well, that, uh, so that was basically good. where I came up with the name Paradise and realizing that um, Paradise is depicted in the Bible and in a lot of ancient scriptural texts describing the Garden of Eden. And whether it was the East or the West, they both, both cultures utilize this concept of creating heaven on earth. Mm. They wanted to represent uh, this peaceful relationship among man, God, and nature. Mm -hmm. And the way that they did what did this was by creating these respites. So whether mm. they were in the desert, uh, these were usually places that had some trees mm -hmm. nearby to create that shaded effect. They were very much into water. Mm -hmm. And so this was a complete contrast to the brown, dry, dead desert. These were places of respite and refuge, entertainment. Um, and later, as years went on, these became even more elaborate. These were places of pleasure and parties and dancing and poetry, lovemaking, and you name it. Um, they were designed to really engage all of the senses. Um, and if you look at pictures of mm -hmm. these ancient paradise gardens, a lot of these are sunken. Normally they're enclosed to create that space of privacy. They were growing things like roses and citrus plants and jasmine and gardenias, very fragrant. Um, and so these were just beautiful spaces where man combined with nature created a place where people could just relax mm -hmm. and or have a great time. That's pretty amazing. So you're literally helping people have a slice of the paradise in their own kitchen. That's what I that's, that's want to help people thing. to get back so to. So why what's the <clears throat> what's the reasoning behind having them sunken? So a sunken type of garden will create a little mini microclimate. So if you think about gardens that are created in the valleys of like right here actually. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati and greater Cincinnati great place to garden because we live in a valley yeah. and that means <clears throat> that you get warmer microclimates that settle in these <clears throat> pardon me in these lower areas mm -hmm. and that can create humidity which plants love um, it is alter it's also a way to shelter winds and harsh weather so sunken enclosed spaces protect the garden species mm -hmm. and also can create, as for example, like in the Roman gardens, they developed this idea of a peristyle as a long colonnade. And essentially it was an open, it was, it was enclosed, but the, there was no ceiling per mm -hmm. se. So you felt enclosed and private while at the same time you were exposed to the elements. Mm -hmm. And that created this beautiful wave of light and coolness next to the homes because these colonnades were um, built right right next to the home. Mm -hmm. Kitchen gardens were situated next to the home they for convenience. They, there was no um, concern about flooding or those kind of things? Well, we got to understand, you know, Roman, ancient Romans and Greeks, they were some of the... Um, finest architects and builders 
and they were even developing ways to bring water into their gardens through the aqueducts. Um, so a lot of these concepts, and especially the walkways, the paths, the covered arches, a lot of these mm -hmm. uh, original buildings mm -hmm. that people found in the gardens were adapted to Islamic gardens, mm -hmm. monastic gardens. You, you see this theme being played out over and over mm -hmm. again, and, and almost this tension between function and utility versus aesthetics and beauty. Mm -hmm. There were, for example, in medieval times, they weren't so focused on the beautiful aspects of the garden as they were on yields and mm -hmm. you know it was much more structured and more of a workshop mm -hmm. um, to determine okay you know it was an experiment basically mm -hmm. a laboratory to test soil and climate and different That's, species that is so cool so you mentioned different types you know islamic monastic roman what are the differences like where how did they because they're all in different geographical areas, mm -hmm. and they sound like different eras of time. Mm -hmm. Because that, I mean, based on my understanding of history and culture, how do they connect with gardening? Like, what is? How did they garden? I guess, like, you know, what did well, they do in the back end? What is so interesting to me, and I think is a testament to the collective unconscious, because. Back then, it's not like people were really communicating mm -hmm. um, unless they were traveling and trading. Yeah. And yet, whether you were in Mesopotamia, Persia, whether you were in Italy, Greece, whether you were in India, whether you were in Egypt, every one of these cultures were doing essentially the same thing. And that's why you see similar things. You see, for example, in Islamic gardens, um, very popular four quadrant type of system with a canal of water flowing. And these were very symmetrical gardens as mm -hmm. well. So what, what, what's up with the four? Well, and, you, and you'll even see this in modern day gardening and I'll get to that here in a minute, but f number four is very um, key or, or prominent in gardening. This symbolized the four healthy liquids so milk, honey, water, and wine, these things were prized during those times. It also represented north, south, east, and west. And even into monastic and renaissance gardens and even gardens of today, you see um, crop rotations among four different types of crops. You see quadrants played over and over and over again in many different styles of gardens, whether they're rectilinear, whether they're in square shapes or diamonds or triangles. There's a lot of geometry that plays into this, a lot of symmetry, mm -hmm. um, especially in the early gardens mm -hmm. where formality was really big. And as these gardens progressed, they became even more elaborate, much larger, and you start to get into things like knot gardens, in England and France, and really elaborate designs. What time? So how do they Islamic garden compare to these other gardens? Where do they? What am I thinking? Like, so how many years ago? Yeah, it. Like I'm just trying to follow a guide timeline, right? Like what yeah, happened? yeah. There's um. I would I would say our the some of the first or some of the earliest depictions were on the ancient Egyptian tombs, on the walls of the tombs. 
uh, there were depictions, pictures of trees um, such as figs, dates, pomegranates. They were um, growing grapes over trellises. This is 1400 BC. Wow. Fast forward to 400 BC and you have the Persians who really kind of put it on the map. They mm. took the Paradise Garden and perfected it mm -hmm. through their sunken gardens and very enclosed and um, lined with citrus, uh, oranges or lemons or limes. And so it was very fragrant. And in those sunken gardens, if you were to walk around the perimeter, because the, the trees, they would grow from that sunken space, you're, you would be eye to eye with lemons mm -hmm. and eye to eye with oranges and grapefruits and wonderful different types of citrus because it was all about bringing that ex that sensual experience um, into your home. And if you think about those times, how difficult they must have been. Mm -hmm. These are very uh, hunter-gatherer type societies, agrarian societies as time went on. And there was just a lot of work to be done. So these gardens were places, these were places for people to just check out and oftentimes meditate and prayer and those were also associated especially in the monastic mm -hmm. gardens of the middle ages so as far as the timeline mm -hmm. goes yeah. i would say 1400 to about 400 bc is when the paradise kitchen or i'm sorry the paradise gardens really took foot mm -hmm. from 400 to about 1700 is when paradise kitchen paradise gardens um, became more elaborate, larger. They started to include things like terraces, grottos. Oh my goodness, they had separate kitchen gardens. There were hedges, there were parterres, which is a style of garden which is very geometric in nature. Things were the statuary, aqueducts, canals, fountains, waterfalls. It was really just became over the top by the time the Renaissance. <laughs> the Renaissance was the age of let's, you know, bring everything from the ancient world that was great back into the forest. So mm. this was the age of humanism and new thought. This also was a time of, it was a resurgence of art, science, and culture. And so all of these themes would play into the garden. Mm. And to the point where you get to uh, late 19th century Victorian gardens in English were just totally bonkers. I mean, these were very, a um, lot of exotic plants, um, very expensive greenhouses. And by the end of the 19th century, you then, especially in England, there was a whole different style of gardening mm -hmm. that started to take over, and that was the landscape. Um, style of garden which basically said you know what we don't we don't like the formality and out with the kitchen garden and this was this is where England really kind of split from France they they decided that the the Victorian style garden was too ostentatious ostentatious it was too over the top and they really scaled back but in scaling back they wiped out they wiped out their, their culture. They mm. wiped out the Roman horticulture that was so preserved in those monastery gardens. So the history of Paradise Gardens is, is 
is interesting because it, it comes and goes in fashion. And I wanted to bring it back mm. because the paradise side of it is that alluring side that would help to bring people to the garden. That's my goal is that I, I wouldn't want it so far off in your backyard that you're never going to utilize it. Um, that you would want to go to the garden and work in the garden and view that as a something pleasurable and enjoyable. That is so unique. Like So as I start thinking about how these different gardens came about over time, I'm thinking of the actual land, the energy of those lands. So some things that grow only in the Middle East don't grow in China or something that grows in India doesn't grow in South America or in Northern Europe for that matter of fact, right? So, and during those times in last two to 3,000 years, there have been a lot of wars, there have been a lot of trades and there were a lot of trade routes that we exchange a lot of culture with and it, it another something that i would think about is if i'm bringing in some of these exotic plants into my city where i don't grow them i am going to make them into a garden where they do grow and that's where these expensive greenhouses come about because that's exactly. creating an environment and to preserve these plants that come from different parts of the world that's exactly right so some didn't make it in transit, didn't make it, yeah. but a lot did, and that's why England, um, the garden at Kew, they have their, there's just a plethora of plants from all over yeah. the world. Because we have a botanical garden in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. There are botanical gardens that I've been to in Houston, in Philly. So there are different places that I've gone to, and all of them, these gardens are designed when you're walking through them, it's like the zoo, right? The some animals, birds are in one area. Well, all the roses are in one area. And then some other plants are in another area and some other plants are in another, other, because they all need different geographical landscape. They need different environments. They grow together with each other because they talk to each other. So let me ask you something. Um, you enjoy being outdoors. Yeah. And if yeah. you had a garden, what, what, what would that, what would that look like for you? What, what would, what would inspire you to get outside? I would, what inspires me to get outside? Well, plants talk to all of us and they communicate things. And when they're happy, you can feel that. And that makes you more happy. Now, scientifically, from the medical perspective, this fact has been proven by doing double blind control studies on people and looking at their immune system and looking at plant phytonutrients inside the blood. How they did that was they took a group of people and said, hey, go just go out and walk in the city. Get some nature, get some air, go do that. Then they asked some people to do it in suburbs. Then they asked another group of people to go out inside a, a garden or in, in a somewhat of a jungle garden area where there are a lot of plants. And they said, just go, go walk around there for every day for three months, and we'll just keep monitoring your blood every month. So they did that, and people who walked around the gardens, through the gardens, they had the highest amount of immune system, strongest immune system, and they had the most amount of phytonutrients and those other plant 
chemicals that were measured. Compared to those who are in the city, they had the lowest, and those who are in the suburbs, they are in the middle somewhere. Makes and then sense. there were other people who just stayed in the house or whatever. They weren't told to do anything. And they were, depending on what they did, they were that was the control group. So from that perspective, I, I also feel that there's a lot of benefits of being in and around plants. And different plants have different energy, so they'll talk to you or they'll give you different... Not every plant gives you an apple the same way, right? Apple is just a fruit or a there's a, you know, tomato is just, tomato is also a fruit, but, <laughs> you know, okra is just a vegetable, but then they're also exuding and... Okra is a fruit as well. Oh, is it? <laughs> it oh, is. see, I'm learning stuff. Okra is a fruit as well. So what's a vegetable? Bell peppers. Oh, bell peppers? They're fruit. They're also fruit. Okay. <laughs> Cilantro. Is that a vegetable? That's an herb. That's an herb. <laughs> Yeah, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. What's a vegetable? You could say it. Onion What's a vegetable? And Onions and potatoes are vegetables. Um, green, leafy greens would be vegetables. Okay, so cilantro is an herb, but leafy greens are vegetables. Broccoli, cauliflower. Yeah. Next topic well, for us to figure out: what is a fruit? What's a vegetable? And what's a herb? That's gonna be our next and a topic. Nut and a seed and a legume and a bean. Yeah, that's also another thing I want to find out. The legume, beans, pulses. Yes. <laughs> What's the difference between lentils? <laughs> They're all, they all sound the same, but but obviously there is a huge difference. So, nuts aren't well, always nuts. Nuts aren't always nuts? Yeah, like pine nuts I don't think are an actual nut. Nuts. Okay. All right. See. I could be wrong. Let's go fact check but that. We'll, we'll, we'll check it for next week. That will be our next topic. But um, So that that's kind of so interesting because... These plants have different environment in which they grow. So when you're growing um, a kitchen garden, you know, I assume that, let's say, if there was a 9 by 9 block, one area of the block will be sand and dark black mud, or the other will be brown, or the fertilizers will be different. Yes. And somehow, somehow they all have to talk. And... <laughs> <laughs> So it's literally like creating a Babylonian or, you know, a Roman garden into a kitchen mm -hmm. with four different pathways and whatnot that, you know, so that's that's so unique. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. But what we like to do is we like to take that concept and match it to your genetics and match it to your diseases. That would be another level of gardening because now you're gardening something that adds value to you because you know that it's matching your genes and genetics and your energy and your disease state. Definitely. And that's that's what we do with our it patients. It doesn't so, get any better than that. It, yeah. Can't get any healthier than growing it right in your own, own space. space. Yeah. And I and I would say spiritually, mentally physically, emotionally, on mm -hmm. all levels. And I would like to come back and talk more about that yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think I think that's our that's our work that we're doing together under under a a a concept that is so holistic. It's adding value to our plants or adding value to our planet. It's adding value to the environment. And as she mentioned, it's mind and body and then the spirit they're all connected and that's what all of these cultures did 
right? Whether it's Islamic culture, whether it's, you know, Renaissance, whether it's, you know, Roman or even the ancient world. You know, there are whole concepts of traditional Chinese medicine and gardening based off of those energies of those plants. And then gardening in India based off of Ayurvedic concepts, which is taking the energies of people and then matching it to plants. Some plants are tall, some people are tall, then you match them together. So it's, it's kind of so unique. And now we're able to bring, bring it in our own kitchen and maybe on our in, on garden, in our own terrace, on our, on our old balcony. And that's small little drops will become a bucket of water and then it'll become an ocean when all of us, all 7 billion people on this planet will start adding and growing this planet that we're depriving. So, which is, which is what we're here to do. And, and we really you know, haven't even touched on that, and that could be a class for another time, yeah. is talking about the ind industrialization and the rapid urbanization of this country and, you know, understanding why um, the garden, and specifically edible gardens, why they fell out of fashion. And it really just had to do with the culture at the time. Um, people were not um, as interested in growing food. Flat out, I think, you know, as women went back into the workforce, there were less people to tend the garden. And um, convenience and microwave foods became the new desired, um, you know, response to the, the wars. I mean, people were not, yes, during World War One and World War II, they were, there was a resurgence of growing edible gardens called mm -hmm. Victory Gardens. But, you know, it, it wasn't something that stuck mm -hmm. because there was a mentality that, hey, now with canned food items, I, I can be freed from this labor. Yeah. And I want to bring this full circle and show people just how enjoyable it is. And not only that, but it, like you said, mm -hmm. it is wonderful for every living creature on the planet right yeah. now. And I think, you know, all of us need to think about as we work and the jobs are designed and the economies are designed where two people have to work sometimes to make ends meet how do we make food for our families you know five people in the family or four people in the family they all have different energies they all might need different herbs different vegetables different fruits and if we're able to grow them in our own garden or even in a small area in our, in our house now you have free food which is which is huge because it's economical it saves time it saves money and you're you're you know what you're doing because you're doing it for your own family or own self so with that i think you know i now you know you guys know what we're going to talk about next you know we'll talk about the industri industrialization of the entire plant and food industry, the electrosensitivity, just like how we're electric uh, sensitive to all kind of, you know, light and sound, plants are the same way. And then we're also going to talk about uh, what um, the well, other topic that we talked about, about yeah, um, getting away from <clears throat> chemical sprays and 
agricultural methods that just really are not sustainable not safe to even our pets um so well, yeah, we, yeah we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about ways to create an organic garden that is self-sustaining mm. and ideally one that is going to enable you to garden through most of the year if you yeah. want to Thank you so much for listening to this uh, talk about our history of gardening and what it actually means to different eras of time. And we've only literally touched about just the top of the iceberg or the tip of the iceberg. There are going to be notes. We have notes on today's class. There are going to be a lot more in detail classes on how to garden, what to do with it. How are we going to take our own energies and apply it to learning about how to garden? All of those classes will be inside the community. You're welcome to join the community if you like. It's uh, The link is below, Ace My Health Community. There are a lot of people in the community, a lot of videos on yoga and mindfulness and meditation and health and nutrition and genetics and anti-aging. Literally, it's a place where the information is there to take our health to the next level and to change our life. And if you're able to follow each one of those videos in a systematic way as they're laid out, it will help increase our health and be better. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a better place. And other than our health, I think it's going to help us bring the community together and help our families and our communities that we're living in become better overall. So with that said, thank you so much. We have a lot more to talk about. There are a lot more topics that are coming in future. Obviously, we're going to talk about gardening into more detail. We're going to talk about how we do all of these things. And um, we'll answer all your questions. Every Friday, we have a prayer session for all of you who are listening to us. If you have ever reached out to us, if you haven't, reach out. If you haven't, if you haven't reached out, please reach out to us. We'll pray for you as well and send our positive vibes to you. If you have reached out to us, we pray every Friday in the morning. At some point, this will be a live session so all of you guys can join in. You're welcome to come by to the office if you are interested in joining in. And we have seen tremendous benefits in not only in ourselves but in our patients as as all of us come together and we're sending our positive vibes to them in whichever methods that you like in whichever form god energies universe nature whatever you believe in it's connecting to that those vibrations and sending them out and we see those changes taking effect in patients even though they have they may not know that we have been sending those th uh, energies out to them. That's the that's the beauty of connecting the health with mind, body, and spirit, and the nature. So I appreciate all of you guys joining in. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. Take care. God Take bless. Care.